Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So that's another thing. Since I had the CPS phone me, I've been looking at every aspect of my life, including like like I was saying earlier about hunting license. I don't need a hunting license because I want to gather food. And now I have to order my bees from New Zealand because the government closed the border between the United States and Canada where I should be able to drive to California and pick up my bees at a, at a lower cost. So all these things I'm thinking of where this created government is hindering me as a man. So after the CPS and after the oncologist thing, I'm thinking of writing letters to these different departments saying, well, no, I'm going to go pick up some bees and, or I'm going to do this and nobody can stop me. I just wanted to add also, Carl helped me in April of 2014 because as soon as my son had cancer and were in the hospital, there was a social service guy that kept coming to me more than once a day asking us to sign a piece of paper for a week or two, whatever, and then I call Carl and Carl asked me, or told me or recommended that I ask the social worker, what is, what, it, what is the benefit to you if I sign? And I asked them three times and never saw them again. So just by asking the, the man, what is the benefit to you for me to sign, got rid of them. So I, I, I like that advice, whatever. Yeah, that's pretty funny. And that probably helped when the CPS phone, because in the conversation I asked her, do I have a contract with you? She says, no, right? I, I, I didn't sign nine months earlier or 10 months earlier at the hospital. No, I helped some man in court today, and uh, we had to write four letters. It took about three or four months. But he was real happy with how it came out. He said the prosecutor treated him real nice. He said, that was a change. <laughs> one one of them was based on domestic violence. That was one case that he was working on. And then the other one was taxes, but the one with domestic violence, that was done. But, uh, no, he was great, man. Like I said, he sent me a, a projector. He sent me a, yeah, I'm looking right at it now, man, a Panasonic projector. And uh, that was some big bucks, man. And, uh, and he paid me twice as much as I wanted to help him. So it worked out nice. So, uh, yeah, he was just happy that everything worked out okay for him. You know, he didn't want nothing on his record because it would affect his job. So that's the other thing we got to do is seal the records. And I told him, call me back in uh, 90 days and we'll seal the record. And he says, oh, I'll call you up before then. I said, well, you don't have to call me up before then. You can just wait for 90 days and we'll have him seal the record. So, so far, so good. So, yeah, I'll upload that phone call. I had with that guy today. 
So, yeah, I'm glad I figured out how to start uploading these phone calls to YouTube. So people who say, oh, man, you know, nothing works and nothing wins. As I go, yeah, really. Mm-hmm. There's like 12 little magic words, man, that work out really good all the time. You know, especially criminal cases. It's funny because I went out west to go help with a criminal case, and I love helping criminal cases. Really don't like civil cases. I like it when it's criminal cases against the state and the, or the feds or the central government, and there's no man or woman injured, no property, you know, and there's no damage, no nothing. I love working with those cases. I arrest criminal cases, drug criminal cases, any kind of criminal case. As long as it's criminal, criminal's real easy. We just had one on earlier. A lady was supposed to turn herself in on uh, Friday. To do what? Uh, well, she had taken a plea agreement, apparently, and uh, it was, uh, you know, the mortgage shit that went down back in 2008. All these bankers and mortgage people were getting accused of writing these phones and not, you know, and knowing that these people couldn't pay for it. Well, she she got caught up in that shit. That's what what's her name? Because I just went out to San Diego to help a man and woman with the same exact thing. Yeah, this is Billy the Kid. I picked you up from there. No, no, no. Billy the Kid is uh, in California. He's in L.A., Venice. No, this is Billy the Kid. Oh, yeah, yeah. But no, who's the other one, Bill? I thought you were saying uh, you were in San Diego on that last one. But, yeah, this lady just called, and uh, we were all trying to help her. Wow. With How some ideas, she... but this is right up your alley right here, if you're liking that. Yeah, you got just, no just, yeah just, I just went, I just, it were, <laughs> I love it, man, that she took a plea. But uh, did she go to the sentencing yet or anything? Or? Yeah, that she's supposed to turn herself in this Friday, so. Oh, fine. And she's four that's months exactly, pregnant. Uh, that's exactly what I uh, helped a man in San Diego do, man. I went after the plate. Yeah. I didn't go after anything else, man. I went after the plate. I said, you know what? I'm going after the plate. Can she call you? Yeah, sure. She can call me. That's fine. All right. Because that's exactly when I read all Man, this guy's a mountain nonsense. I sat talking about like 10 hours, man. I was zombie by the time I was done talking to him. And I said, I know exactly where I'm going with this. I said, give me the plea deal. And he gave me the plea deal. I said, good, I'm, I'm going after the plea deal. Yeah, so that, that's going to be fun. It's funny because the guy in uh, San Diego, he wanted to go uh, get a fancy uh, high-priced attorney. I said, no, that's great. Go get a high-priced attorney too. I said, it's always a good idea, just like the guy in Chicago did. And uh, that way when the man had a high-priced attorney in me, the man had uh, the attorney. He was like, wow. He said, let's do this call. It sounds like a lot of fun. So me and the attorney... High price attorney, obviously, when we first sat down for the first 20 minutes, she didn't want to know a damn thing about what I was doing. But then uh, I basically convinced him within an hour, and then the next two hours, he wouldn't let me leave his office because he wanted to learn more. And I was like, look, let's just meet up in court tomorrow. Let's just, you know, just watch what I do. You know, he's like, yeah, this is going to be fun. He said, okay. He says, yeah, I've never done nothing like this before. He's, and then uh, it was funny. His, uh, the guy who brought me out there was like, saying that the attorney really likes you and he really wants to do your stuff. And he's like, hell yeah, because he knows it's, he's, it makes sense to him, but he just n- never had anybody who tried it. He's heard of it, but he never wanted to, you know, he never knew how to do it himself. 
And I said to him, as soon as you figure this out, I told that attorney, I said, you're going to have clients coming out of your ass once you figure out what I'm doing. And if you really want to get your client off easy, I said, save this for a big money client. I said, save this for like a million dollar case, save it for $2 million. Save it for some big money client. Just don't give it out to anybody. I said, save it for when you got, when you got a really big, really, really high, you know, you know, high, you know, high profile case. And then just drop this card on a table. Just like they did during the O.J. Simpson trial. They dropped the card on a table. O.J. Simpson just didn't know how to get up and walk. As soon as they dropped that card on the table, he could have walked. He could have got up and walked out of the courtroom. Just as lawyers didn't tell him. Because as lawyers, we're going to get billable hours. But the lawyers were done. In the first five minutes of that trial, one of the veterans speak. They were done. They're just going to milk them for every dime they could. That's exactly what they did. Because the case was over. Well, all you had to do is he realized what the attorney said at the beginning of the trial was get up and walk out. He was done. The other side didn't answer. He said, bye-bye. Come back when you got an answer for me. Just like they're doing up in Canada right now with Jason LeMay and those 1099 OID people. 571 cases permanently stayed. Gave him a simple question. Jason dropped it in there. 571 people dropped it into the court. Simple question. They're like, bye-bye. And now the cases are stayed indefinitely until the government can come back with an answer. Same thing would happen with O.J. Simpson from Marshall Clark and him. O.J. had to just say, bye-bye. And you got an answer? Let me know. So simple, man. Criminal law, so simple. Especially when it's you against the government. So the advice that we were given her was to rescind the contract, obviously, and fire her public defender. And no, keep the, no, keep the, no, I always try to keep the attorney. No, you don't, you don't do that. You don't go into court without a public defender or a fancy attorney with something like that. Nope. Okay. So this is no. why I wanted to say it out loud because these people recorded this call and they were listening to some of the no. options. Yeah, no, no, no. Even when I went to court, man, if I can, I always have a standby co-counsel. Somebody that they recognize. So just call them co-counsel and keep them there. Yep, always, always. There's no no problem. Just paying a guy a couple hundred bucks, stand there, just smile. No big deal. Because I'm a pretty intimidating guy, so it's a lot easier if they see one of theirs standing next to me. But it's a lot of fun. I love criminal cases. Criminal cases are easy. Like I said, but... uh. Like I said to the attorney in Chicago, I said, man, don't, because the guy was up there helping with uh, manufacturing, you know, not distribution, but for manufacturing. And uh, I told him, I said, save, I said, save this little trick I gave him. I said, save, save this little trick for a billion dollar fucking tax, uh, billion dollar uh, drug case. I said, don't just drop this on every single nickel and dime case. The guy's got a little bag in his pocket. Don't do that. Don't let the cat out of the bag. I said, wait until you got somebody with a couple of kilos, a couple of thousand kilos, something, a big drug case, then drop it in. I said, I love you. What's the nickel and dime nonsense? Ah, 
Don't let the trick out of the bag for a couple of dollars. It ain't worth it. And everybody will use it. So it's a lot of fun. Like I said, you know, it just took me years to figure it out. So just to drop those 12 words in on anybody and think they're going to use it, it's not going to work. I was watching um, Dean Clifford's transcript today. I was listening to it, and I was writing down every single mistake he made. And he, in uh, just about every single time he spoke, he made another mistake. He lost jurisdiction. Up, oh, lost it again. Up, oh, he lost it again. Up, oh, he lost it again. Up, oh, he lost it again. Even if I gave him those 12 words, he couldn't carry it through. He'd lose jurisdiction again. He just couldn't help himself. Just because you know the 12 words, and they're going to challenge you to explain what do those words mean. You're going to start explaining it. Then you're going to lose jurisdiction if you say something out of turn. If you say it out of step, I say something wrong. They said I was going through his uh, transcripts, and I was actually thinking about doing that, making like a DVD out of his transcripts, and going after every single word that he did wrong. Like, uh, let's see. Oh, when the judge asked him, so, Mr. Clifford, are you here in person? Well, Dean messed that up big time. I'm trying to remember what minute mark that was. But the next one he made a mess of was that the nine-minute mark. It says, do you wish to make a, a bail application? And Dean said, I will not contract with this court. Well, he should have said, and then I filled in a blank. This is what he should have said. And then at 10.15 into the video, he just went nutsos. And then at 14.21, he said something about being a plaintiff. And then at 1525, again, he said no when he should have said yes. And then at 1623, he said something that was pretty decent. So it's funny. And if he could have kept with that, what he said at 1623, if he could have kept writing it, it would have been fantastic. But he knew how to make that cute little statement. But when the judge said something, he didn't know how to follow it up. He had him, man. He, He had him going. He was getting him on the correct side of the court. And then a judge said something, and he just, like, fought it. He's like, I don't know where to go with it. Great statement, but I don't know where to go with it. I mean, it was a good statement he made. You know, he said something about being a sovereign people. Let's say, uh, yeah, he messed up a little bit there. As one of the sovereign people of this land, I convene a lawful court of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II. I have all sorts of claim against this man, and I think that we should proceed in a game of choosing. We can settle up these false claims in a real hurry. He has kind of he has the idea, he kind of has it there, but he doesn't know how to word it correctly. It was just like somebody, oh, kid, you know, you're so close, you got the right idea, but you just don't know how to present it to court. And kid, every time you're saying something, you're saying it without before you're writing it down. You're just saying it out loud. You got to put it down, and then say it if you wish to say it. Believe me, you hand it to the court. The judge will say it. The judge will read it out loud. You don't got to say it. But he just, you know, like I said, he, he's a sharp kid, smart guy. But too smart for us, you know, he's going to open his mouth. So it's a shame. What are you going to do? You know, he should have put it in writing. So, yeah, I was doing that for a little while today, just uh, going through Dean Clifford's uh 
going through his transcripts. So what happened with the uh, the the MMS guy? What what's the verdict? I know everybody was waiting oh, on his last. Oh, they're great, man. I was really surprised, man. Oh, I thought they were going to be the daffiest, goofiest effers I ever met. They were really uh, really sharp, really good. I was really surprised. I said, oh, no, a bunch of hippie, you know, drug dealers. Just a bunch of potheads. I was figuring, man, I thought the worst of the worst of them. Trust me. I said, oh, this is going, oh, yeah, because already, it was funny because uh, I was supposed to hang out there with them Friday and Saturday and um, well, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday or something like that. And uh, they kept delaying, delaying, delaying when they were going to meet me. So they were supposed to meet me like in the morning, then around, you know, 12 o'clock, then 1 o'clock, then 2 o'clock, then 3 o'clock. And I said, you know what, screw this. I booked a flight to get the hell out of there. And then I uh, met them. And I was like, holy crap. These guys are all right. So, uh, yeah, they got a hell of a good case. I like them. And I was really surprised. I mean, that's how I told him when I met him. There was a trailer. guy on earlier talking about MMS. He was uh, giving it to a kid and not telling a doctor. Oh, I couldn't care less what MMS actually does. I'm just saying. Uh, I couldn't care less if they were selling crazy glue or gasoline. I couldn't care less what the product actually is. So they drove me all around. Uh, I told them, look, we're going to start from day one. And you're going to drive me every freaking location. And you're going to explain to me what happened at this building, this building, this building, this building. So they did. They drove me all around Spokane. They said, this is where we bottled it. This is where the distributor, uh, he got it in. This is the house that they raided. This is the garage. I made them drive me all around. I said, now explain to me, step by step by step, what happened. Because they were like, oh, no, no, no. I said, no. They said, look, I don't want to get involved with you people unless I know exactly what happened. Step by step. They said, well, why don't we just worry about the trial now? I said, no, that's not the way I do it. You're going to explain to me every single thing that happened from the beginning. So they did. I mean, it took freaking forever. I mean, we were up until like uh, 2 30 in the morning talking. And they had to catch a flight like at uh, 6, 7 o'clock in the morning. But I didn't care. I was going to stay there until uh, if, they, if I thought they were a bunch of clowns, I would have just said, you know what, screw this, I'm going home. But, um, no, they're all right. I was really surprised. They're like Gus. That's the closest thing I can remind me of. They, 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 they remind me so much of Gus, it's not even funny. So they're, they're decent people. So, you know, I just thought they were going to be a bunch of uh, pot-smoking hippies, drug dealers. You know? just like, man, I, I even said that on Angela's show. I said, I don't think I'm going to be able to help these people. I think they're just a bunch of drug dealers. I said, how, how am I going to move a case, you know, where they're selling drugs? They said, they're just doing awful. But no, they did it right. They had a membership. They had a club. You know, they, they were selling it only to, to their members. They weren't selling it to the public at large. They wrote letters to the FDA. They wrote letters, you know, and I, oh, I made them show me the letters. I said, no, you're going to show me those letters you sent to the FDA. You're going to show me the letters that you sent to the Department of Justice. You're going to show me. And they got them all. They printed them all out for me. And I got a stack about, you know, two inches thick. I said, okay. They get showed me how they signed everybody up from being a member. I said, okay. This is really good. I like it. The only problem is, is that their whole entire case, 
the FBI basically didn't have to do a damn thing. The Department of Justice didn't have to do a damn thing. They were so cooperative in trying to work something out with the central government, with the United States government, that they all the centralized all the U.S. government had to do was cut, copy, and paste. Everything they would explain to them what MMS is, how they want to distribute it, how the members were. And the FBI turned around and used used exactly what they gave to them as their entire case against them, which is kind of funny. They had the FBI had to do absolutely no work because these guys were providing them, you know, with all the information throughout the years, saying this is what we distribute, this is what we do, this is how we bottle it. This is this funny. All the government did was cut, copy, and paste. And what a bunch of lazy bastards! This is pretty funny. So. No, I like I like that case. Because I thought they were just selling it to the public at large. And uh, they yeah, when you left, you were, you were saying that uh, they were selling it to the citizens and Daddy Obama yeah. was at first, Yes, at first they were. They told me, yes, they were. And then they said uh, they had a cease and desist order. So they ceased and desist immediately. And so then they said, well, a group from Texas gave him this huge, ridiculous... Um, had a set of a membership club, which, you know, which was fine, but it was ridiculous. There was like $17,000 for the book. That's ridiculous. $17,000 for the book. It was like a go-and-haul thing. You know, you got a go-and-haul package. It cost you $20,000 for a book and DVDs and nonsense like that. And just like people who went to go-and-haul seminars said, you know, they were there for three days and they never learned a damn thing from them. You know, how to do a damn thing, how to move a damn piece of paper. So at least this other place in Texas, whatever this group was, that charged them seventeen grand for this book. At least they had a good idea of uh, how to do a membership, how to do a club, how to sell it to people within your own society, which is just like I said, citizens, Daddy Obama, the society, that's U.S. citizens. So like I said, when they were told to stop selling it to U.S. citizens, they did. So I was glad to hear that. And so like I said, oh, these guys then just thumb their nose of the U.S. government say, F you. We're going to just do it whether you like it or not because we're here to save the world. So they said, fine. You know, we won't just sell it to the public at large. We will do it in accordance to like a membership kind of thing, like a membership club. And the only problem is, is um, they were sending letters to the FDA saying, you know, do you have a problem with us doing this way? The problem with justice, do you have a problem with us doing this way? If you have a problem with this way? The only problem was that they did this stupid nonsense that this one group told them, if you don't rebut it, it stands as true. That's bullshit. That's all if you have an existing contract with them, but they didn't have an existing contract. And that's where all you guys make a huge mistake. Just because you'd send me something and I don't send you something back. If I don't have an existing contract with you, there's no, there's no rebuttal. Because I, I, I never had a contract with you. I don't have to recognize you. I don't have to see you. I don't have to understand you. I don't have a contract with you. I don't have to agree nothing with you. It's a one-sided conversation. Well, you're just, you know, you're just, you know, talking to yourself. Since the FDA and Department of Justice never got back with them, well, they were just talking to themselves. They, they uh, assumed and presumed uh, <laughs> an error. But that's because there's so many wackadoos out there on the Internet saying, well, uh, UCC says, uh, you know, unrebutted, uh, uh, you know, truths, then, you know, uh, unrebutted claim stands as true. Yeah, right. 
That's if there's a pre-existing contract. Show me the pre-existing contract they had with the Department of Justice or the DEA. Show me it. And they're like, oh, yeah, I guess we effed up. I said, yeah, I guess you effed up. And like I said, it's not very hard to get them the contract. But you guys are missing these steps. So they were just missing the steps. No big deal. And like I said to them, I said, uh, well, now you just got yourself in a little bit of a jam. But it's too funny. Like I said, I wanted to show people how to uh, get the government to actually respond to you. So that way you don't have none of this more, this nonsense. Uh, well, they never wrote back to me. Well, they never wrote back to me, so I made a claim, and it stands as true because it's not a truth on a robot. It stands as true. Yeah, right. With a pre-existing contract between the parties, yeah, right. So, like I said, yeah, I'm gonna go put that up on my computer right now. So, um, that one that I helped the man with West Virginia today. Thank God, man, that one went nice and easy. He settled the debt with society. So, uh, what if this will upload? So, when you went after that plea deal, what exactly did you do? When I did what? When you went after the plea deal, was it in San Diego? Yeah, that was a plea deal, San Diego one. Yeah, I got that one sitting on the table right here. So, uh, yeah, I got to go over that plea deal and work on that. So, uh, yeah, that's a good one. Where's that noise coming from, man? That doo 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 doo. I'm not sure. Oh, it's coming from Eric 77. He's the only one. I thought I was muted out. Nope. He's the only one that's got a open microphone. No, I'm muted. Yeah, like I said, that guy's name was Joe, and he was up there in West Virginia. He came down here a couple times. Yeah, he's the one that we wrote, like, four letters. You know, we wrote to the police, we wrote to the department, you know, we wrote down to the Attorney General's office, we wrote to the Secretary of State, we wrote to the county commissioner. Yeah, he was just glad he didn't have to go to jail. That's all he was glad about. <laughs> he was like, oh, thank God, man, it's over. He, he just messed up a tiny, tiny bit because he forgot to show the um, prosecuting attorney uh, the receipt that the debt was settled. That's the only thing he did wrong. 
uh, it was domestic violence. It was uh, obstructing a police officer, um, fight, you know, fighting with a cop. I forgot exactly what the the charge was, with, uh, what the name of it was for, you know, touching a police officer. I could have cut the same deal myself. He saw us and I said, yeah. I said, you know what, all you had to do is this. I said, you were in your driveway? Yeah. And the police uh, uh, pulled up behind you. And, you know, yes, he's like, I was already home. I was, I was just hanging out in my driveway. But a cop pulled up in the driveway because I got there like 1, 2 in the morning. And he saw my lights on, so he just pulled up to see what was going on. And he thought I was in my car and I was drinking. And I said, you know, they arrested me right out of my driveway. I said, holy crap. I said, too bad you didn't know me. I said, because you're already in the domestic authority. You were already in your domicile. You already crossed in from the public venue into the into the private. I said, oh, well. I said, you know what? I could have done it for you for like a grand. I would have been happy to do it for you. And, yeah, I know the attorney down here, man. He's, he's supposed to be like a super famous attorney, big dollar guy. He had one year suspended license, three years he can't drive, track the trailer. No, no, no. We're just going to cut, copy, and paste how they do it in probate court in California because you got a hell of a case. And uh, it was funny. He said that uh, his the only thing that found was that he wasn't making an appearance before the court prior to the hearing. So uh, his mom did. So his mom was allowed to speak. But when he got up to speak, the judge told him to sit down and shut the fuck up. I said, yeah, you just got to introduce yourself to the court way before the hearing. I said, you know, and anybody else in the uh, in the trust, they've got to make their voice known because it's funny. Um, everybody on the mailing list, that that's the court. It's not the judge. The court is everybody on the mailing list. It's like when you go into a bankruptcy court, I explained to him. I said, you send it out to all your creditors. And they have to tell the court that they are going to be coming in to the court to make a claim that there's a debt due to them as well. So I said to him, you've got to get everybody who's involved with the trust to, to make an appearance to tell the court that we're here and we wish to appear because we have a vested interest in this matter and we'd like our two cents to be put in. And then once the bank starts saying, if this guy could get two, three, five, twenty people involved who have a vested interest, I mean, the people who take care of the house, take care of his grandpa, you know, take care of the lawn, take care of the painting, take care of the roof, take care of whatever. If they could all come in and say they have a vested interest, you know, the bank might just back off and realize they're not going to get anywhere with everybody who's coming in claiming a vested interest. Just like his mom did. When his mom came into court and had a vested interest in it, she got the trustee replaced twice. So I said, you got a damn good shot to get the trustee replaced again with no problem. Oh yeah, because like I said, I was, I was, yeah, I mean, I was pitying you like you had no idea, man. I was like, this guy's trying so effing hard to do it my, one of my ways. It's like, you know, I am man kind of stuff. It's like you were going to go after the, uh, the, the man who ran the bank or something like that. I think that's what you wanted to do. Well, that's yeah, that's what I had filed was a, a lawsuit against the CEO because I had been writing him for months and months and months. He's ignoring me. He's kicking me out of my house. You know, he's just. But then you made it sound like you ain't got no standing. That's why he's doing this. That's why they don't see you. Yeah, see you. See. see you means they don't understand you. It has nothing to do with visual impairment. They can't see you. They can't hear you. They can't understand you. 
So until you actually appear in writing, writing. That's what poor Dean Clifford kept doing. I was I was listening to this poor transcript that poor Dean was doing. I'm like, my God, this guy's just getting beat up like a pinata. The judge is being super nice to him. And uh, the judge said, I see you. And he said, you mean visually? But he didn't bother asking the judge because the judge said, I see you. So the judge, he should have said, oh, so you, you're a man as well? So when Jadine did dispute that the judge didn't see him, he's like, no, you don't. The only way you'd be able to see him is if you're a man. Are you a man? See, Dean didn't know how to say it. It was, like, so effed up. Because, Dean, I guess he thought the judge opened up his eyes and saw him. I said, okay, Dean, this is what I would call Dean. Dean, the judge is visually impaired. He's blind. He has no eyeballs in his skull. And the judge says, I see you. What would you say to the judge then, Dean? You'd say to him, how? How do you see me with no eyeballs? Dude, see, has nothing to fucking do with your eyesight. So when the judge said, I see you, Dean did just let it. Go. He's like, oh, okay. So the judge sees me. I'm like, oh, mother effer. This is your chance, dude, to jump. Get it. Get him. And uh, he just blanked. Then when somebody went else talked. It's like, oh, well. You know, he like I said, he might be the greatest guy in the world. Might be the nicest guy. No trust law. Might know everything inside out, back, left, glance. How do you act in court? That's all I'm trying to teach people, how to get in and out of court. And like this man of the trust. Dude, the judge doesn't see you. He saw your mom, right? Yeah, she filed a notice of appearance, right? Yeah, did you? The bigger thing was is that your mom put an appearance that she had a vested interest, and then you didn't. So when she stood up, the judge listened to her. When you stood up, what did the judge tell you? Shut up. There you go. In a nice way. You know, it all made sense. Like I said, when uh, when you told me about, I was telling everybody how to read the front page that the person on top is always the claim or plaintiff or whatever, and then in the middle is the court, and then off, off to the left is the reason you're there. And just knowing that little bit was, it was a lot. And then also when you told me that, uh, that that's really just an invitation, that's your RSVP to come to the party. And you yeah. you don't you don't invite you don't send uh, anything back but you show up and they don't fucking hear you because you didn't RSVP. Yeah, they'd like they said you know what we told you to show up for this wedding party nobody showed up so you know what we just decided to hold a, a wedding in the judge's living room and we're going to sit around his coffee table for the reception. So now you're going to pull up you know now no we, there's no room for you we ain't got time for this and now you're just going to bust in unannounced. You didn't even tell us who you are. We got nowhere to check who you are. You say your name is Billy. What? Uh Uh-huh. How do we know? You're just a a wedding crasher. You're just crashing the wedding. You could see the light come on in their eyes. Like, everybody was like, that's all I had to do was write a fucking letter that say, I'm a party of the case. I have a vested interest and I'd like to be heard. Yeah, Yeah. that's all you got to do. Everybody's got a vested interest. Everybody puts something into grandpa. Everybody yeah. puts something into that property. Their sweat, you know, their sweat equity, their blood, their labor. Everybody's put something into there, and nobody's been paid yet. Just like a bankruptcy. You know, all the creditors have to be made aware that uh, you owe the debt. You better let every single creditor to the court know. You better let the court know every single creditor. You better not leave somebody out. 
so you better put it. That's why all of a sudden you, you've seen this huge mailing list that you guys got. You know, they've got to mail out 20 of these, you know, you know, stacks of paperwork to everybody. That's what they have to do. But if no, none of the creditors come to court or, or say, you know, going to say we're going to appear because we, we believe that he owes us $20 or he owes us $20 million or he owes us $2. If you don't make your vote, if you don't allow them to know that you're coming in for the vested interest, in the, in the liquidation or the bankruptcy, you know, they're not going to get cut you a check. So, like I said, too, and I think your grandfather, like I said, he'll do fine. The judge will just see that he's got his family behind him, and he'll see that uh, the Mexican lady with him. You know, I think the judge will just realize, you know what, without you guys behind him, he'd be dead by now. You know, so if you guys just wanted him to die so you could take the will, it would take about 10 seconds so that guy to pass. You know, you you know, like like the lady taking bubble gum out of his mouth. She could have just let him swallow it and died. And called it a day. No, that that that's the lady that's been with us for 15 years. Her that lady. She's oh yeah, her. that's what I'm saying. I mean, a judge could see that. You know, that if 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 he didn't have a network, he'd be gone. Obviously, these people have an interest. You know, like I said, to its greatest important motor vehicle recognized as as this is his residence. That's what I'm saying. He, he's competent enough. Like I said, he's competent enough to, to speak, and uh, and the judge is uh, competent enough to be you know aware that if uh, if you folks weren't taking care of him, he he would have dropped by now. Because you don't see the bank sending anybody over there to take care of him. You know, the bank's not over there making sure he's okay every day. Okay, so but where am I? Where am I starting from? Just. I guess just 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 share a call about the sentencing Friday. Okay, I'm supposed to surrender on Friday. I'm uh, heading into California. I'm on the road right now. Um, I should make it in there uh, by Wednesday morning, which I was the judge just sent me an order, or the judge sent the attorneys that were court appointed to me earlier today. Um, Basically, because she got my letter um, and wanted me to file a motion two two five five or some a motion basically uh, for ineffective counsel, um, and you know, I'm just I'm just trying to figure out what way I need to go about getting something to her since she's familiar with, or she's aware that I'm you know, in the position that I'm in. So um, I was going to put in something else that that gets to her on Wednesday to try to stop this, this process on Friday. So, um, yeah, so I just need a little help with that. And you signed the plea deal and everything, right? Yes, the plea was signed in 2013. Hey, what was it? What was? What did the plea deal say? Basically, that I pled guilty to the the first charge, which was conspiracy to mail and wire fraud, and this is on that mortgage deal. So, did you understand the charge? I mean, did you did you understand it? No, I mean, I signed it because you know the attorneys um, basically said that I would get thirty years. They they basically didn't want to do any work on my case. Um, 
I had when they when they came up when the court appointed them to me. By the time they did, um, they were pretty much rushing rushing a lot of the process of you know there was documentation that I asked them to get from the previous attorney, documentation files that I said I had, um, and it was it was like it was done. They had me come out to California um, for this you know try to uh, basically work out a plea. Um, and the plea deal was basically just admitting to a charge, uh, a lesser charge, to bring down the, to possibly have a sentence that, um, you know, was between, I think, uh, zero, they had zero to 60 months or something like that, I can't remember. Um, and they said the judge could sentence within that realm but it was better than the 30 years and that they would probably give me for uh, probation because of the fact that I have five children. Um, there was a lot of things that they did not go over very thoroughly about how they put that deal together. Um, regardless, I mean, it was their basis was based on the fact that everybody virtually that worked for me is pointing the finger at me and that it would be hard to prove the case, even though, they didn't have any concrete evidence of me doing this defrauding. So um, that's as far as I know about the plea, as far as they, they, they put it together and said that this is what I needed to sign. Um, yeah, to, yeah. Okay, so, so what does the police say? It's basically just that I pled guilty to the, the first charge, and I can't go by verbatim because I'm driving right now, and I don't I don't know what it says um, verbatim. All right, when, when you get a chance, let us know. Hey, Carl, this is Ron Ports. I just uh, while they're looking for that, I wanted to say thank you for taking my wife's call and talking to her last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, because I told her. Did she, did, was she able to get to that? Uh, she said she was going to, she knew somebody who was a prison guard in there, and she was going to tell you, stop your crazy shit and just kiss ass or whatever. Did that message get through to you? Yeah, uh, yeah, she grew up with one of those tenants down there at the correction facility. And actually, I, I went through, I just asked the whole way into there, but then once I got there, I was just done. I'm glad she told you to do it, you know, because they said you were going to be there indefinitely. And, uh, you know, she was getting really scared. So I just told her a couple of things to do. And uh, she wanted to go down and talk to the, uh, like the uh, child enforcement people. I said, no, 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 man, you got to get to the judge. I said, you better go down there and talk to the judge's secretary, the judge. You better get down there and, uh, you know, you better, you know, get something before that judge's secretary. She's the one that's going to get you out of there. You know, not going down to, you know, child enforcement. They're not going to, they're going to care less. They will help you sit down and rock. Right. Make an example out of you. So, uh, no, she did good, man. I mean, she did exactly what I told her to do, and uh, she did good, you know. But like I said, you, you, it's just like I was saying with uh, 
that man on the phone now too, on Billy the Kid. You you did the same thing. It's like there's a style that I do, but there's many styles I do. You know, one style is to just you know you know order everything. Say is that an order? Is that an order? Is that an order? The only problem is that you're already in an existing contract, and that you never um, since you're you're a party to the case, you are bound by the rules and the law and the fines, and they may impose upon you whatever they wish. You never separated yourself from the case. You never said to them, I can no longer afford to move forward as the defendant or the respondent or the debtor in this party in this case. You never did that. So until you do that, they get slinging around like a rag doll. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. And when I, heard you, when I heard you trying to say that you're a free man uh, or, or whatever, I'm a man or whatever it was that you saying, it's like, no, no, you're not. You're a party to this case. And you never, you never rescinded, you know, your your uh, your title. You never, you know, explained to them that you no longer wish to be a party to the case. It's like if they got me. They say they arrested me for that debt that you carry. I said, no, I'm not a party to this case. Show me where I'm a party to this case. Well, when we find Ron, you let him know. It's like, yeah, yeah, that's great, you know. But you know what? Right now, I'm not a party. You're looking for Ron. You never, you never rescinded the title. You never gave the title back. Because you never gave the title back, well, they had every right to do what they did to you. You can't go after them. Now, if you uh, rescind the title, now if they come after you, that's different. You never did it. Hmm. It was like a week before I sent a letter to the sheriff saying, you know, if they had a proper warrant that was signed and affidavit attached, you know, I require the bond attached and to be delivered upon me. You send it to the and judge. Send it to the judge on the other side. You send it to the judge on the other side. Just like I was just saying, Philly the kid. He never bothered to he never bothered to let them know that he's a party to the case. You never bothered to let him know that you no longer wish to be a party to the case. It's that simple. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Rocket science, huh? Now that the answer makes so much more sense. Looks like putting a puzzle together. I've, I've got the border. <laughs> now I'm trying to fill in the rest. It is kind of a puzzle, man. I, I think it's super simple. Yeah. You know, I really do. I really think it's super simple. All right, Carl. Oh, I, I got the um the C agreement. All right. I'm going to read you. It's like eight pages. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to read it kind of fast. I can you just send it to me? What, did, did you read? Did she send it to you on like on a PDF? Yes, sir. Yeah, then just send it to me on a PDF. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, make make life simple. All right, I'm forwarding it. And the address is Quarter Records. Yeah, Quarter uh, Record number three. <laughs> okay, yes, sir. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't bother answering the other ones anymore. So it's quarter record three. I'm not too far behind. Should you put something in the subject line? Put what in the subject line? Is there something he should put in the subject line so you'll know it's him? Yeah, you can just do plea deal. Yeah, that's what it's got here. Carl, can you can you go back over that what you just said about rescinding the names? 
like I said, every case is unique, man. You got not like I said, you guys like like I said, look at this poor guy Billy the Kid. He he took something I said and he went off on some crazy tangent. Ron took something I said and he took it to some crazy tangent. It depends. It all depends. You you guys can't just you know, just say, Well, you know, Carl said that um um to say no longer the part of the case or like um well, you know. It all depends on what you're involved with. Try try that stunt on a criminal case and you see what the hell happens to you. I don't know what case you're involved in. You can't. You guys are just you know like cut copy paste, man. You're just trying to throw the stuff in. Is it a criminal case you're involved in? Is it civil? It's a criminal case. Because then you can't do it, dude. I mean, that's what we're trying to learn on when no, do you put... Right now, like I said, you're trying, right, you're trying to say, well, look, you didn't bother to ask. You didn't, see, that's your problem. You didn't ask. You didn't say, well, what kind of case are we talking about, Carl? You're talking about civil criminal. You're going to put some crazy uh, civil uh, uh, notice into the court on a criminal case, and, you, and the judge is going to say, what the hell are you doing, you crazy bastard? Okay. That's what I'm saying. You, you get, this is what I'm trying to say, how frustrating it is. Like I said, I couldn't understand Billy the Kid for the life of me. I was like, holy shit, this guy's totally out of his effing mind. When I got down to California, I said, look, man, i got to get to you in California because I don't have an effing clue what you're talking about. You got me so confused. I have no idea what you're doing. And then when I got down there, I was like, oh, is that all you're doing? I got this. But holy cow, you know, trying to hear, like, you're trying to do... Like one of my, I'm a man going after the bank president. For what now? Trust? You're going to take it to a county court? What? You're losing me, dude. You're losing me. I, I, I can't follow you. And then one of the things we had going on, I said, oh, this is a piece of cake. What, what are you doing? I said, man, this is too freaking confusing. I said, you know what? I got this. Okay, Carl, we have, okay, we, we are involving a criminal case down here. What? We are involving a criminal case. Okay, well, then you're not we're sending the name from the contract or we're taking your name off being a part of the case. He couldn't get you nowhere except for laughed at by the judge. The judge is going to laugh his ass off. It's okay. Nowhere. No, no, dude, this isn't anything okay. Because then you're going to come back on his show, their show, my show, somebody's show, and you'll say, Carl, I don't have a clue what he's effing doing. No, Carl, what I was about to say, what I was about to ask. exactly what happens. No, dude, it's exactly what happens. Like I said, look at Paul Ron. You know, if he just knew, you know, uh, I didn't know that he had an outstanding warrant for him. I don't know. If he did, when he came up here and saw me, I said, dude, you know, you need to rescind your uh, name of the con- uh, or to be a part of the case. Yeah, you just got to have to rescind the title. Give back the title. And then he's like, well, I sent some to the sheriff's department. No, you don't send some to the sheriff's department. You send it to the court. Okay, call. My question, my question to you would be, I'm in South Carolina, so if it's a criminal case, what 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 would be your fee to help us? You got me to get the thing out the way. It depends on what it is. What is it? Okay, it's 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 involving the IRS. Okay. We didn't damage. We didn't damage or hurt nobody. We didn't kill nobody. It's nothing. It, it's nothing violent. It, it, I mean, it's just 
You know, I mean, they claiming claiming that that we got some money, and they you know they claiming wire fraud, mail fraud, all this kind of stuff. All right. Like I said, that, here's a good one. Like I said, it would have been nice if he, um, you know, when he talked to the prosecutor, if he could have just threw that last little bit in, it would have been great. It would have been uh, because he already we already settled the debt, the debt to society that was already covered, and all he had to do was show the prosecutor that the debt was settled, and uh, the other ones he, he got that covered with no problem. But it was just funny that he um he just um he just got away from that one that one charge. <laughs> it's just a shame, you know, when people get so close to getting a perfect perfect uh, ending, and they just mess up just a tiny bit. But that's okay. The prosecutor was really nice to him. It's all honest. It's funny he tried to tell the prosecutor he was an idiot. He didn't know what he was doing. The prosecutor's like, I highly doubt that. <laughs> He's like, no, by what I see, you got going on here. You're not stupid. And he's like, I didn't say I'm stupid. I was an idiot. So, so what do you do? Do you just put in a notice to court and rescind the plea agreement? It depends. Dude, it depends. What can I take? See, man, you guys are going to get in trouble, man. It's not a cut answer. It depends. It all depends on the type of case. It all depends. Is it a man? Is it a government? Is it a corporation? Do you wish to act as a corporation? Do you wish to act as a man? Is the other side a man? It's, it, there's a lot of variables there. There's something bad. Is there so many variables? That's the only thing that's bad about just giving a cookie-cutter answer, because that's all the guys want is a cookie-cutter answer. And it's very tough, because if you want a cookie-cutter answer, you're going to get in a whole lot of trouble. Just like I said, you know what would have happened if I didn't go out there for Billy the Kid? Oh, he they would he would get laughed out of the courtroom next month. The same thing with Joe, man, um, you know, uh, uh, up there in uh, Jersey. Ron, up there in Jersey, if he just kept going with this crazy, uh, I'm going to keep my mouth shut, quiet, I'm a man. No, you're not an effing man. No way. You're already part of the case, man. You're a person. You have a duty and obligation to fulfill that court. You serve that court, and you don't serve that court, you are going to definitely get an imposition placed upon you, and it's 100% your fault. They're not doing a damn thing wrong to you, Ron. They're 100% within their right to do exactly what they're doing to you. There's nothing to whine about, nothing to complain about. It's all on you. So get it off of you. That's simple. Yeah, looking at it from that aspect takes a lot of the anger and everything away, you know. Uh, obviously did it to myself, obligated myself to it, so. Yeah, and then was right. And then once you get out of that, right, it'll make a lot more sense to you. Yeah. I mean, it's a damn shame, but it's pretty simple. Because, like I said, every, it's all, all this damn stuff is so freaking simple, it's not even funny. But, uh, yeah, I guess because to me, I know how to do it. I guess that's why it's so simple. 
With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.